here today with Nadia Petronoskova. How are you, Nadia? I'm good, thank you. Well, thank you for coming on the Trainer Tools podcast and uh, yeah. talking through some of your ideas, which, you know, as we, we, were, we were saying just before we started recording, they kind of go a little bit against the flow of what L&D seems to be doing at the moment, because you're talking a lot more about, well, I should say the direction of travel of L&D seems to be going in the direction yeah. of more digital digitalization more remote delivery more self self access stuff through curated content through online communities through e-learning type things and much further away from the old classroom as we called it in the the very old days so do you want to just kind of give an introduction of where you're coming from with this with your argument here yeah, yeah. Well, I discovered that um, everything we do in terms of digitalization, so everything we do in terms of making trainings and seminars more effective or efficient, um, that it goes a bit against us as human beings. So we do like a dehumanization. So we 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 make it more mechanical, more like if you could feed knowledge into people and say this one hour you learn this and that, and uh, it it's probably possible for some of the topics. However, uh, if we look in the future, what stays if, you know, the artificial intelligence and all the machines take over all unnecessary tasks from us? So who are we if um, artificial intelligence is doing some of our jobs and uh, what remains? So I believe that if we do not strengthen what we are like in the core, who we are, if we not meet in person, if we don't um, learn how to see each other, um, that we um, are giving this treasure of co-whatever away. And uh, with treasure of co, I mean everything which starts with co, like collaboration, co-creation, co-design, co-decision. Um, so I believe that we have to keep it and we have to make it even more strong right now where we are. It, it's interesting you say that the dehumanization point, I think, is really important. Because a lot of the time, if you work with people and, and, you know, they come to you with some kind of learning need and you point them in the direction of something like an e-learning or, a you know, a, yeah. something, something that's kind of non-interactive, non-human, if you like. Yeah. You can watch yeah, the face I, drop, can't you? Yeah, yeah <laughs> that, that's true. I understand where it's coming from. So, you know, the, the classical classroom, classroom you mentioned before, it's for sure not where we should stay. So from my perspective, it's not going back to where we have been. It's going further, so going beyond uh, what we already know, so going beyond the classical classroom and also going beyond all this uh, digital uh, training formats we already created right now. So having them in place for being available in those, you know, 24-7 systems where I can just click if I have a question towards something where it's really about knowledge. So if it's really not about skill, but more really about facts, based uh, knowledge it, it's good to have those online every time um, however we're still humans so we're still not machines so whatever is just knowledge can be taken over by artificial intelligence you were saying about knowledge and skill and a lot of times if you just want to know something it's very easy just to go to wikipedia or youtube or just google it or whatever um, mm-hmm. or buy a book or whatever it might be to, depending on your preferred style or just can talk to somebody who knows more than you do a training course isn't obviously a brilliant way of transferring knowledge from one person to another, at least in most yeah. cases. And sim- yeah. similarly with skill, I mean, you can introduce skills in training courses, um, but skills require practice, they require coaching. And the more complex yeah. the skill, the more practice, the more coaching, the more feedback you need. Absolutely. And LD has 
I mean, well, let's say training. Training has, has typically been about filling knowledge and skills gaps. And if we just yeah. if we just taken those two both off the table by saying there are better methods in most yeah. cases, not every single case, but in most cases there are better methods. What does that mm-hmm. leave, what does that leave you with? Well, again, if if it's about who we are as human beings, and we are more than uh, robots uh, containing knowledge and using this knowledge to fulfill some tasks at work, so we should be more than that. And um, I also believe because we are social beings, we are social, we can't do it alone. So I totally believe that learning in front of a computer alone at home or alone at work is not the best way whatever we are learning. So being together, providing feedback, asking questions, learning that all of us are different, that we are all learning individually. So we are not machines. We are not learning in the same way, even if it's about the same task. So look how people are learning languages, for example. No one is learning the same way. No, that's that's a nice example, isn't it? Because people tend to it, it's a, a very good example of the social learning thing, which is what you're saying, because yeah. most of us are social social learners to some degree. And I think, yeah. I think, I mean, what I was getting at before is, I think training has always been stuck around knowledge and skill gaps, and been very yeah. reluctant to to go beyond that because it then seems to be much less scientific, because we, you know, it's harder to measure, it's it's you know harder to define in the first place. But actually, yeah. there's, there's a huge there's a huge amount of impact that L&D can make in people's yeah. com- confidence in their motivation. And, and now I think now I got your question. So before learning a development system as such had a position or a mindset that the person who is a trainer in the room knows something what the group doesn't know. So we feel the gap, as you said. So the, the mindset is I am getting people in my room who has gaps and I am the one, the guru or whoever, I am the one who can help them to fill this gap with knowledge or skill. And I think this is an obsolete mindset for the future. So in the future, no one knows more than other people because we are all in, in, in such a, you know, we, we all can get the knowledge every time, as you say, you can Google something, you can get it at any minute so all of us have a, a you know huge knowledge in us and the question is not how to fill a gap for something the, the question is how can we use what we already have um, the most powerful way because i believe we're still not using our potential we still like you know we be having all of this knowledge all of this experience and, and values everything in us and we're not using it day-to-day life if you look what people are doing day-to-day life most of them are, are just typing so we're using computers typing machine yeah and we, are, we are not we are not working so work is not longer you know as an industrial era work is not longer physical or mechanical work it should be more thinking work so brain work and i think the next level is something which is even more emotional so we should you know from mechanical where we only use the body to this thinking work we where we mostly use the brain i think our evolution brings us to the era where we um, need to use our very very fine potential this whatever called emotional intelligence and this you can't learn from a book it's it, i love your i love your observation there that working these days seems to be mainly typing because <laughs> it's yeah. it's it's a really good observation and i've often kind of looked around and thought all everyone's doing here is typing 
I mean, yeah. obviously they're not just typing randomly, they're typing something worthwhile, yeah. but who knows? It, it does seem to be an odd thing that work has largely become typing. I think that's, that's, that's a really nice observation. But just, yeah. I just want to go back on your point about um, knowledge as well, because although we're kind of, we're slightly flippantly saying knowledge can be found just by Googling or whatever, which is obviously a simplification. In fact, I'm going to stop saying Googling because I now use the search engine Ecosia. I don't know how to pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm using it as well. Oh, good for you because um, they plant trees every time you search. So yes. I'm going to stop saying Google it. You can Ecosia it. Yeah, um, but, Ecosia it. But, but how do you pronounce it? Ecosia? Yeah. Okay, that's better than I'm saying it. I'm going to, okay, Ecosia. Ecosia. Uh, but we, we are being slightly sort of flippant because obviously some knowledge is more complex and it does require, and if you've already alluded to this, you've, it does require discussion, it requires feedback, it requires conversation. And I think yeah. the idea, uh, sorry, a, lo a lot of knowledge we only create when we have to actually articulate ourselves and we only yes. often find out our own opinions when we're actually forced to, to, to say them. Until then, we kind of often don't know what we think about stuff. Yes, yes. And if we, if we never have the the possibility, you know, space, room, time to speak with each other about a topic. So how do we know which aspects are we missing? So you and me, just two of us, if we would speak about whatever, leadership, or take a topic, change, we would find so many aspects just from your and mine brain and experience. And that's so interesting that we can learn so much from just from such a conversation. So you don't need a guru in the room who is the knowledge provider, or you don't need you don't need a kind of training where we are you know uh, train some training some skills. Like uh, if you want to be a good leader, you need to have a good uh, you know conversation task, and then we are training them with videos and all this old school stuff. So that's that's the past. And in the future, I believe we need to create spaces where people with all the different, you know, cultural background, um, knowledge, experience, and also expectations towards future, where they can meet and have this space and time to have a good conversation, to have time for feedback, time for questions, where they can draw and play and, you know, use the full body and not only the brain and come to a conclusion what is in for them. Because I believe we can't, for, for not of the top, no of the topics we, we will have in the future as an important one is such an easy one that we can write a book and say this is a basic basis for a training. So every of them is such a complex one. So we need this group conversation around it to find a conclusion. What does it mean for us? And if we are working in all the same company, so what's what's next step? So if we speak about change or leadership or agility, take it whatever is, you know, important right now in the moment, then all of these topics are such a complex one. So we need this group conversation. Yeah. And if you look at things like accelerated learning theory and those kind of topics, they're all about creating yeah. holistic experiences, about linking yeah. things to work, about, and, and, you know, taking advantage of things like social environments and stuff. They, yeah. are, they aren't saying stick everything online and give them a book or whatever. Or go yeah. go to some kind of online community which is dead half the week. It's not saying that. It's saying the opposite, and that's yes. that's what's quite interesting. There's this kind of tension in the middle of L and D. I think yeah. from from people like HR possibly, or from business metrics to kind of make things cheaper. And classrooms yeah. are quite expensive, or training rooms, I should say, are quite expensive. So let's yeah. let's shove everything on online. Yes. But at the same time, the other sort of tension is going the other way. Let's make learning more effective. Well, how do you do that? 
and it's not you know it's not that way it's through all the things that we're, we're talking about now it's through conversation through social through feedback through practice yes asking questions yeah and i i love you brought accelerated learning because this is also one of the yeah, I don't know if it's a theory or a framework I'm also using day day to day. So it's it's really powerful. And we touched earlier on this idea of training mainly being around knowledge and skills, but actually we do get to touch confidence and motivation. And I know there's sort of more nebulous subjects that people are kind of shy away from because you can't tangibly define them or measure them particularly well. But I know, and you will know the same, I'm sure, Nadia, and if not, please say, that when you do a really good learning program, People go yeah. out of there buzzing with motivation. And the best feedback I've got is people saying, oh, I loved that, you know, that program that you did on leadership or whatever. It was gave me so much confidence. I feel so motivated to do it. Yeah. When you drill down on what were the specific knowledge and skills you remember, they're, they're much less clear. Yeah. But they're motivated, but they're confident yeah. and they want to do it and they've built a network and they're talking to people. Yes. And they, they don't want to stop. So they don't feel they don't want know, to stop. tired. Yeah. yeah, no, exactly. And and yet we sort of almost shy away from that as if it doesn't happen, as if it's not an, a potential output of what we do. Yeah, because I, I think I think it's still because we believe that work should be hard. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's especially in Germany where I'm working most of the times, so it's still a belief that if work is not making you tired, then you did something wrong. Yeah, and education needs to be somehow kind of hard and not, exactly. not fun. It must be, yeah, not, no fun. If, if you say we're doing it playful and we, we do a lot of learning exercises outside and this and that, people are looking at you like, am I wrong here? It should be hard. Yeah, it should be hard. It should be quite dry is that kind of overwhelming idea that take it seriously. It should be dry. It should be dull. Yeah, and it's, not not so with the young people. That's what I like uh, working with them. They're really not having any expectations. So if you would come with PowerPoint, they would eat your PowerPoint. Uh, if you're coming with just legal, serious play and playfulness and uh, a lot of creativity, they're taking it and they're they just taking it. So Yeah, um, I think it's, I mean, it depends on the, the, the context of what you're doing, isn't it? The content of what you're trying to do and the context. The, yeah. There's different... The, the different methods are right for different things. I don't think any one thing is necessarily right or wrong. It's all yes. about content and context. But I, I just wanted to kind of get on record this point that L&D can impact what you call shiny eyes. I know from yeah. your, do you want you know do you want to just quickly explain what you mean by shiny eyes in this context? For me, if if I say I want a more shiny eyes in the world, it, it's my way to you know to build a better world. You know, Greta Thunberg is doing it with the Ecology, so my way is because I'm psychologist, so I'm going through through us as a, as a people. And I believe because every one of us is such an individual treasure just walking through the street and uh, we don't value that every day. So I believe if you would use what is in us, our possibilities, the potential, all these facets of the personality we do have, we would all feel that the world is getting better. So by using just, you know, some small percentage of our potential, we are like hiding a lot of good things. And we are just, you know, if we are just typing the most uh, time of our day, typing letters, it's that we are like in the 80th, 80th century. So we are still not in 21st. And um, this should change. So I believe if everyone understands what's 
in him or her. So which potential are we taking with us day to day to the street and how we can use it in daily conversations at work, in in our families, with friends, with kids, with everyone. And we would create a better world. So I'm really, really powerful behind this idea to to get more connected to who we are. I love that shiny eyes um, metaphor or whatever it is. It, it, I, I first heard of this from the Ben Zander TED Talk. And yeah. I know you had this before. Yeah. Before Ben came out with it. But uh, the first time I saw it was on the Ben Zander TED Talk, which is a great TED Talk. And I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the bit when yeah. he's talking about shiny eyes, I there's about a minute in the middle of that which is just absolutely golden stuff and it's so interesting and so useful for thinking about who you are as a leader or who you are how you show up in organizations the impact you have on people yes i love that idea of measuring your success by how many shiny eyes there are around you yes yes and in especially because you say it if people are leaving your training and saying i now feel confident or motivated this is this inner fire and then you can see it in the eyes you know, you can see it in, in posture, so how they stand or how they move. And you also can see it in the face and especially through the eyes. So for me, it's really like mirror of the soul. And if someone feels confident and motivated to do whatever it is to do, then then I reached somehow my goal to be a good trainer, to be a good uh, facilitator. And you don't see that when people walk away from an e-learning thing. Nobody's eyes are shining then. Yeah, I, I probably some something was interesting, you know. But this shiny factor, I think it's only possible when we are really human. And we are really human because we're social uh, someone. So we, we need other people to, to get this. So I think we've probably made a case to say that we can't chuck the training room out completely. No. We, we're sort of saying on various different points here. First of all, knowledge is often created through social interaction when we have to articulate ourselves Social interaction gives us feedback, allows us to ask questions, allows us to dig around and really make sure we understand stuff. Plus, it's more more motivating. We get the motivation, we get the confidence, we get the shiny eyes. And a lot of the things that we can create in a training room are consistent with accelerated learning. And that's less true of non-human methods, as you call them. So I I think we've made a case there to say that there is a case for keeping the training room alive. Absolutely. And and ages ago, you made a really good point, and I've written it down here to make sure I didn't forget. Because the old training room, the old classroom, that's not what we're saying. So because the old classroom isn't right, that doesn't mean we should chuck the training room out. And therefore, it's about that, um, you said about going beyond that, about being being better than that, not just going back to that. Exactly. So do you want to just say a little bit about what you mean by that? What would going beyond that really look like? What will this training, what does the training room look like that you set up that gives people those shiny eyes? Yeah, absolutely. So so for me, because we already mentioned Dave Meyer, so that's one of the frameworks I'm using. Accelerated learning guy, yeah. Yeah, and the other one I totally love is from Lina Makauskaite, I believe that's a Finnish name. So she created three orders of learning where she said the first order is like the old school uh, classroom where we have teaching as telling and the people have to learn from what I'm telling them and the second order is where we have more the modern kind of trainings where I'm more or less facilitating the skills the the uh, the knowledge and people can participate and um, somehow have an experience from what we are doing together 
And the next level, so what for me is the beyond current level of learning and development is where we don't have anything prepared for the training. So we do have no agenda. We don't have a you know, list of models or tools. We want to teach people, but we say that's teaching as co-configuration. So we are having people in the room and they for sure have issues and questions and, and on the other side. So there's a kind of minus, so what they would like to get or what you named uh, gaps. So they have a kind of you know knowledge gap or information gap, let's call it that way. And on the other hand, they all have personal individual experience from where they're coming from, you know, the whole life experience. So combining and then saying learning is a co-construction. So you work together with a group. So you're not preparing anything upfront, but you co-constructing the learning process with the group based on what they brought as a question. So this, this gap in information and also based on what they brought as information from the experience. So they have like something to give to the group and they want something they want to take out of this learning process. So you have a kind of co-design, which is based on relationship. It's not based on that someone knows more than someone else. It's based on that you create a real relationship between the participants and also between you and participants. And based on this relationship, based on trust, based on, you know, having fun together and have, making an experience together as a group, based on this, you create a learning process, which is then, you know, I'm, I'm getting gas bumps right now because I know if it happens <laughs> in the room, it, it, it's really so powerful. You can see that, like, the whole group is growing it's, it's like they, they are flourishing. So they're really becoming flowers and they see, you see all these shiny eyes and you see that they are starting to, you know, to, to, to jump and to write something on flip charts and to make proposals and to create work hacks and uh, experiments for their day-to-day -day life. And they, they are so full of, you know, power to decide something, power to deny something, power to unlearn what they don't need any longer. So you feel all this. It's it's like, you know, electricity in the room. And I love this this condition. So again, we're kind of flying in the face of L&D received wisdom. That old ad adage that, what is it, failing to prepare is preparing to fail, that we should yeah. be really prepared. We should have, you know, everything, every minute planned out words that we're yeah. going to say and everything you're getting the opposite you're saying like what you call no agenda training where yeah. you just turn up maybe there's an objective to say what you yeah. have to get out of the time of course exactly. but you, you, you're not bringing in any you're not bringing in a deck of you know 50 slides or whatever no i don't using slides at all so how are you gonna like okay here's an example right i've just been talking to a colleague now about the need for interview skills training in a particular yeah. office of ours. Yeah. Do they want to improve how they do recruitment? They want to improve the diversity. Okay. So my initial reaction to that would be think about, well, what content should I be thinking to design? Yeah. yeah. What would you do? I would uh, meet the group. And first of all, I would ask them for the best interview they ever had and the worst interview they ever had. And uh, based on this experience they have in the room, I would write two lists of things which are to do and not to do. And based on what's on the list, I would ask them, like probably in, in form of, you know, stand 
up me so they have to stand on the scale from one to ten or something how experienced they feel in those skills we would say they have to do if they want to make a good interview and then we will see that some of us are more experts and some of us are unexperienced at all so they never did an interview for example and then I would create something, a format where they can exchange and probably really do role plays with each other and experience these different skills, um, but not based on theory, based on what they already have in the room. So I always would work with what the group has. And they trust. They trust that what they have is the best. And all this, you know, invented by me solution is the one they want to really do then after the training if i bring them something from the book they say okay that sounds clever but i don't understand it are there other times when you do that and it doesn't work because people won't bring maybe they don't have the experience if they don't have an experience at all you always can you know turn up a computer and watch at some videos and create again something if they watch a video of an interview and say uh, this, this was a good one. Then you immediately ask, so why? What are you observing? So they really connect to the own system. So because I'm observing a different things than you are observing. So we, you and I would watch the same video, but we would have a different list of things. That's a nice idea. I like that. So I create a learning based on where are you, not what's you know in theory the best. Because my gap, if you speak in this word, my gap is different than yours. And we need to fill all of them together. And I can help you and you can help me. So you would start out that particular session, you'd have an objective to improve people's interview skills or whatever. Obviously, a, be yeah. a better written objective than that, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you would simply start, as you just said, then with good interview, bad interview, perhaps resorting to video if necessary, and having building your discussion based on that and then getting it to yes. role plays practice as quickly as possible. And, and finishing it by making everyone a personal action plan because we're not done at the training, right? They need something else, um, probably to train it at home or to train it with a buddy or with a peer group again before they do a real interview. So um, I'm also working a lot with these peer groups which are building in the training and have a task to fulfill after a training, so like week after or 30 days after, so they are not lost with the personal action plan after the training. Do you ever get people, I'm just playing devil's advocate a little bit yeah, here, I'm sure. just thinking some people might approach that and be feeling that's quite a long way from what they expected. They expected sure. you to come in there with the expertise, you to be the sage on the stage, to be that expert. And suddenly you're not doing that. You're doing yeah. it very differently. Do people, do you get negative reactions to that at all? I, I did not. Uh, however, I know in Germany, um, some groups feel lost if you start your training by saying we don't have an agenda. Yeah. So that's quite a shock because they really expect if we are, you know, in a nice hotel room with a nice view, nice cookies, then everything is as expected. So there will be an agenda and at 12 there will be lunch. And then the first thing you say, we are working differently here. We don't have an agenda. We do create it by ourselves because... I want you to learn from where you are and I want you to take the most possible out, out of this time. And with this, first they have this short shock phase and uh, if I explain even further, if there are more questions how we do it, like if you're using Kanban board for it or if you just write lists of our 
learning goals, um, then they understand how it works. And then if you are into it, because I usually also don't start in just sitting and talking, I usually do a kind of um, interactive, you know, learning game or exercise. So they are immediately in something, so then ha- don't have time to complain. And after they did the first experience with something and they got the first debriefing and we already have two flip charts full with ideas on how to improve my interview skills, they, they are already in this, you know, learning flow process. It sounds like you're going in there without really preparing, but I'm guessing that's not the case. Because yeah, quite often absolutely. these things look like there's not a lot of preparation going on, but actually there's probably more than if you had a deck of a million slides. What kind yes. of preparation would you do if you were going into an organisation and doing, let's say, interview skills? That's a, that's a really good question because it's exactly uh, my point. Most of the time I'm really preparing my hell, my, my myself I'm really preparing myself like hell of time and I'm using every three minute before I'm doing something first time to to read, to speak with colleagues, how they would do it, to you know, to write something down. And I usually have like more than one concept for a day. So I I know I say there's no agenda, however, I still have a kind of red thread. So I know we start with this and you know, the usual facilitation thread. So you have like opening phase and then you have phase where you work on something you discovered and then you have to close it so to build a concrete list of actions or whatever so preparing myself for sure is like finding some models for example which could be helpful if you're speaking about a topic like leadership or change so I'm I'm having a list of models in my pocket, which I could use uh, with a group if it comes to topic ABC. I also preparing myself in terms of, you know, exercises. So if I need any material, I have to bring it with me, right? And um, if I expect like more of this or less of this, I also prepare myself in terms of probably some templates I bring with me so they can fill something out or even special music, you know. So it, it's really interesting that giving the participants that freedom to evolve from where they are is for me a a huge responsibility for the whole process so it's not i'm a clown i'm just dancing around and we don't having the agenda and we're just doing something and it looks good um i think it's it's really that i feel totally responsible for what will or will not happen there but not alone again this this is this um treasure of having this co responsibility so we are all responsible for what we will have at the end normally if we were preparing a workshop on whatever interview skills leadership change we would have that route planned so we would know we're going to do you know cotter's model here we're going to talk about kurt lewin later we're going to do practice with here whatever it is we're going to have that plan so we're going to know the models we're going to know the content in your example it's not as simple as that because we we don't we can't plan out what is that single route through the terrain. We've got to know the whole terrain because yeah. if the learners go off in a completely different direction, we've still got to be able to have some useful stuff for them to kind of cluster around. So we've got to have maybe yes. some different models or different content that we can put in there to help them understand yes. what they're saying, to help yeah. them structure the knowledge that they're gaining. Absolutely. So it's a lot more preparation, actually. Yes, and... That's exactly why I created uh, WonderCard, so a product I created initially for myself because 
preparing myself for all the possible routes, I, I was thinking, oh, how can I keep it all in my pocket? Because I always had all these notes and books, you know, with different exercises and models and explanations. And um, because I'm traveling a lot, so you're not always can have all the material with you. And I don't want, you know, to ecosia all of the models in the evening before my training. So I really want to feel like I am ready to go and whenever the participants are ready for this model, I can bring it up. And um, that's why I created this, you know, that's a small helper for myself. And I also created it in a, in a way everyone can use it. So you can have it in your pocket and whatever happens with your group, if you think your initially prepared route is not longer valid or not longer the best way, you're doing a five minutes break or 10 minutes coffee break. And then you you look up what is in in, in your box of wonder cards, and you look for a different model, which is still fitting to the topic, but better for the group, right where the group is now. And then you work like with a new route. So you, you are flexible, you're free to decide which way are you going, and at any time you can really say, okay, now not any model is helpful so we should do just an exercise or we should do a reflection on the topic so we need more structure for for us and, and less an exercise or less a model so to have this also as an attitude that you are not following your own path you're following the group path so to being a real facilitator like in service for the group i think this is what makes you know, makes me have shiny eyes because I love it to be in service for people. And, I, and when I see that they are like growing from inside and they are evolving and they are showing all the best they have with them and they're helping each other. And I, I can support this process. For me, it's it's really amazing feeling. So these, these wonder cards are kind of a, a, a simple resource that you as a trainer, as a facilitator can dive into to, exactly. to get different models, get things that are better fit where the where the group is going. Yeah. So it's it's like really a set of tools, methods, models, exercises, energizers you just can have in your pocket because it's really card size. And whenever you think whatever you prepared is not working, you don't have to panic. You know, I, I hated it in the past when I really had the feeling, okay, my prepared whatever is not working right now group is going and they are going fast and they need support and they need support in the form they can accept and, and work with and I was really looking for something where I don't need you know tons of books with me and I really just have this they are um, 45 cards and you have like tons of possibilities to use each and every of them in a different size of group in a different country uh, in a different setting, some of them are really uh, useful anytime, anywhere, because they don't belong to any topic. So you really can say whatever hashtag we do have in the room, we can do this and, and we will have a really good debriefing and some learnings. And um, I was looking up for this kind of exercises or models all my life because I'm you know, a very lazy person, actually. So I don't want to have all of them with me. I really want to have some of them which are so helpful that I can stick to them and work with them every week. And if you want to know more about these wonder cards, there is a link on the Trainer Tools website to Nadia's site so you can see all about them there. So thanks very much for that, Nadia. It's a really interesting topic that we've looked at here because we've, we've talked about 
the the value of doing face to face and actually kind of really put up a case for defending the getting people together even though it's expensive it is more human it's more effective it gets the shiny eyes gets the motivation and then we talked about another kind of challenge to the l and d wisdom because we're saying that you don't necessarily need to go in with everything planned down to the nth degree in fact quite the contrary it's very much about being open and going with the group and i think yeah. you said it really well you said it's not following your path it's following their path yeah so thank- i totally love your summary thank you very much are you welcome that's again something i would i would never say it that way and it's again something where you see that one plus one is more than two because the way you summarized it that's just so valuable for me so i can learn from your view on my work and and grow from here thank you very much oh i'm glad i liked it i, I- it's sometimes worrying when you summarize it and you realize you haven't got the point the person's been trying to tell you for the last half an hour. So I'm glad <laughs> I am glad I got it right. Yeah. Thanks very much, Nadia. Really appreciate it. Really interesting conversation. Thank you, John.